right there. Uh, before we open God's word, um, let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, um, and I emphasize the words before you. We, we need to hear from you, God. We need to hear direction in our life, God. We need reproof if that's necessary, God. And we know the word of God is God-breathed. It's profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And so, God, as we open your word, might it accomplish what you have in each of our lives. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd find our hearts receptive soil, that you'd cultivate them, that you'd plant the seeds of your word deep, that they'd bear fruit for the kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5, just two verses, three verses I should say, keep us busy. I would like to read this um, out of Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. You are the light of the world, Jesus says. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. A few weeks ago, I was standing up on our, our, our new property, and if you've had a chance you haven't to go up there you should just walk up there park on the side of the road and just walk up on that hill what is amazing is the view because the view is the city that's what you see you get up there you see homes and you see some businesses and you look out and you see the city of Kokato what a great view what a great um, encouragement motivation to pray when you go up there you can't help but pray God help us to impact this community. There's another side of that when you stand up there. It's not only that you can see the community, but the community can see you. That's the part maybe we would rather not think about. So as we talk about being a light on a hill or as our campaign, a light into future generations, understand something. While we look at a community, they look at you. They look at us. As you look out at the place you work, all your co-workers, you see them, but make no mistake, they see you. What a responsibility we have to live in God's kingdom. The context of these verses are what may be familiar to you as the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. And so we're taking these two verses there in the middle of Jesus' teaching, and he's begun to teach about what life in his kingdom is like. And if I could sum up the next three chapters, it's simply this. You're called to be different. Matter of fact, it's, Jesus repeats himself several, several times. You have heard it said, but I tell you this. It's all over these next chapters. Why? Because Jesus calls you to be different. He calls I, you and I both to be different, to live differently. And then he says something very interesting. He says, for verse 13, he says, you're salt to the earth. Salt has a, a great preserving effect, but also salt is tasty. I love salt. I salt my pizza. 
And so if you're a medical profession right now, you're bowing in prayer for me. I know you are. But it's because salt tastes good. And, uh, and so it has a pervert, preserving effect, but it also is tasty. It's attractive in that way. But then he goes into light. He says, you are the light of the world. This is important. This is an important realization for you and I. You and I need to understand that by virtue of your faith in Jesus Christ and your salvation, you are connected to the ultimate light source. Jesus, who said he is the light of the world. You and I have a connection to the source of light. I hope I don't need to convince you that we are surrounded by darkness, that we live in a dark world where hopelessness reigns, where many live, and we live actually, a dark tunnel, and the only light we see is the light of an oncoming train. We live in a dark, dark world. All the more reason we need light. The place you work might be a dark place. It desperately needs light. Some of your network of friendships and relationships in the school you attend, you might go to school and find there might be good people, but it's a dark environment. It needs light. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Not might be, could be, you are by virtue of your connection to the ultimate light source, Jesus. You see, those who follow Jesus actually become reflectors of the light. Just as the sun is the source of the light in our universe and the moon reflects the light of the sun, Jesus is the source of light in the world and we, his followers, are reflect that light. You see, our shine is a reflection of the presence of Christ in our life. A city on a hill, we're positioned as light. And just as our church will be up on a hill and people will see the church building, the church is people. And our community needs to see people who shine. Not only shine impacting this particular generation, but and shine for generations to come. You see, Jesus' phrase, a city on a hill, underscores the fact that light's unique, it's observable, it penetrates the darkness. And Jesus is telling us his followers extend the love of Christ in a tangible way to those in need around our lives. John 9, 5, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And so as individuals come to Christ, who follow him, who walk in obedience, we shine. We shine. And you need to understand that conviction. I hope you do. Any talk of shining without talking about a relationship with Christ is futile. It's our walk. And as you and I are connected to Christ, it's like a touch lamp. I don't know if you have one of the touch lamps. You hit it and it starts with a little light and you pop that bad boy again, brighter, and hit it again, brighter. Right? Touch lamp. It's like that. The more connected we stay to Christ, we hit the touch lamp, it gets a little brighter. The more we stay connected and grow, it's a little lighter. And then a little brighter. And it becomes a little more expansive. And so, might we be touch lights as we stay connected to Christ and grow in our relationship with Him? You see, Jesus calls His followers to be light in their world. 
And he makes it clear that there is a power more compelling than our words. It's the light of Christ. And when we become disconnected from Jesus, we don't shine like we should. And when we don't shine, we let darkness set the agenda. And believe me, darkness has been more than happy to start walking in to the places Christians have vacated. It's a challenging call. I remind you we have a beautiful Savior that we're privileged to shine for, who longs to shine through us. And the only way we can shine, reflect his light is we stay vibrant in our relationship with him. Now I want you to look at this verse again because Jesus says, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. It's going to be visible. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under the, and in New American Standard says peck measure, but on the lamp stand and it gives light to all. Let your light shine before men. Verse 16, let your light. It's a command actually. He's commanding you in me. What does that mean? Practically speaking, it's an intentional choice. You and I make an intentional choice whether we'll shine or not. Last I checked, the command is to be obeyed. It's be to responded to. And Jesus doesn't say, hey, I, I know you're in a dark world and, and things are bad, and I'm just wondering, can I have any volunteers to be a little lighty for me? I mean, he doesn't look at the followers and say, you know what? This righteousness isn't really winning right here, and righteousness uh, we don't have the impact that we should, and so is, could anybody be salty for me here? Anybody sign up? I, I, I need some volunteers. He doesn't do it. He doesn't ask for volunteers. He commands his followers to let your light shine. It's an intentional choice of obedience that you and I make. No one can escape having an influence in this world. More than a city on a hill can be hidden. While others chase after physical pleasures, we're commanded to live differently. And so it's not a question of whether your life will be seen. It's not a question of whether your life will have influence. But will your life have the influence of Christ? Will you obey the command to let your light shine? On a hill, cannot be hidden. On a lampstand, it gives light to all. I find it incredibly exciting, motivating, exhilarating to think for even a moment God would use me. I mean, think about your life. I mean, doesn't that get your juices flowing to think the God of this universe would want to use me, would want to use us for his kingdom? Not someone else, but as you sit here, he wants to use you. You need to understand that conviction. You can't have the conviction, I I think, I can't, I'm excited that God's going to use Tom. I am, and is. But he also wants to use me. I find it incredibly motivating. It's an intentional choice you and I make to shine in a way where it's seen invisible. In other words, we're not called to hide or put our light under a bushel. Now, back in the day here when this was written, to have a light, light of flame, actually, it would be protected by glass or something like that, so there'd be light. If you were to take a bushel and put it over that, what would eventually happen is no oxygen would get to the light, the light would go out, and what happens when a fire goes out, it starts to smoke. If you remove that bushel, what would happen to the atmosphere around there is not only would there not be light, but there would be haze in that environment. 
you'd have a smoky environment. And you would go from a light that has an expansive, positive impact environment to something that becomes quite hazy. And as Christians, when we don't light our light, when we don't let Christ shine into our life, and we try to hide it by our intentional choices, and do hide it by living for ourselves and following foolish pursuits, the atmosphere and environment becomes hazy. In a watching world, a little confused, frankly. I thought they were a Christian. I thought they were supposed to be different. Instead of light, they see haze and smoke. Jesus says, don't put your light under a bushel because that's what will happen. It's not just that light won't be seen. It's there'll be confusion will reign. Let your light shine. It's an intentional choice. To hide light will ultimately create an undesirable, unrecognizable environment. And we, you and I, have a choice how we'll live and how we'll position our life so as to be seen. Question, are you allowing the light of Christ to shine through you? Have you responded to this call? Have you positioned your life among those living in darkness so as to shine? To put yourself out there. Have you done that? I was visiting Angela at Winona, uh, down at Winona where she goes to college. And uh, she had a couple friends. And we were like, hey, let's go out and eat before. Because dad's going to buy college student, not a lot of money. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat this up while dad's here. And so dad, take me out to eat. And uh, so she has a couple friends. I'm like, gosh, I hope you don't think I'm paying for everybody here. Um, and, and so as we get there in this little grill and, and, uh, and bar, grill, whatever you want to call it. As a Christian, it's a grill. If you're not saved, it's a bar. Um, you know what I'm talking about, right? So, so we're sitting there, and we're ordering uh, lunch, and then and Angela is, apparently has a lot of classmates. They're at a different table, and they're high and waving to each other, and pretty soon these other five people, I have no idea who they are, they come over, and, and, and they, they got their nice beer and whatever else they're drinking. So, hey, join us. So we got this big table of people. Now, talking to Angela later, I knew the majority of them were unsaved. And so we all get our food, and we're already there starting to dig. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. They're like, what? I said, I, I just, I like to pray. I'm just so grateful for God giving me this food. And so Angela knows what's going to happen. And she's ready for this. She's, she's cool with it. And so... Um, so I said, would you mind if I prayed? They're like, well, no, you know. And so I was able to spend time, and I prayed for them. And I, and I could tell when I said amen, and they looked up, they were genuinely grateful. And I thought, boy, I, I hope that there are other Christians who get to do this for them. And I thought it, it was a small way, but I, I, I felt that day, and I talked to Angela about, we have opportunities to raise our flags for Jesus. To just let people know in real practical ways we care and that there's something different about us. I was looking through the announcements because Julie gets frustrated when I don't know what's going on. And, and I saw, right? Yeah, okay. Not just me, though, you too. So when you don't know what's going on, just Julie's shaking her head. And I, and I noticed that there's a great opportunity for our high school and middle school students and, and elementary students. You have Wednesday morning a chance to raise a flag. So I'm going to double dog dare you. See you at the poll. I like the title because of the word see you. People will see you at the poll. They're going to see you at a place 
you typically aren't through the day. It's not just that you're going to be showing up at a poll. It's what you're doing at that poll. You're praying for the school, for the teachers. Wednesday morning, students, you have a chance to raise a flag for Christ. I challenge you to be there around that flagpole. It should be packed if you care about being a light. You have a chance to raise a flag. And so do we every single day of our life. Whether it's bowing our head to say grace, a hug for the hurting, clean out gutters for a neighbor, to help a widow, befriend the lonely. We have opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to shine in very practical ways. But in each of these cases, it is an intentional choice you make. Even our campaign we've been going through, as I've been thinking about it, reflecting on it, it is an intentional choice we have as a church to corporately live out Christ's commands. It's not just that they see one life. I mean, Jesus' desire is that people would see an expansion of that light. And as they look at many people's lives, they see light. They see people who love Jesus, who love the community, who love the next generation. That's when we get to shine. I came across this devotion reading not long ago. I wrote it down. The author said, give us pause each day to look at people around us and see them as you see them and to believe that the fields are white for harvest. It's a prayer that we would intentionally choose to be involved in what Christ is doing. Now let's look at this verse even more, verse 16. Let your light shine. There's a command before men. You and I must realize that like it or not, your life's on display. Like it or not. And so you walk on that hill where our, pro- our church property is. You stand and you visualize and realize people are looking at your life, whether you like it or not. They are. We have several Christians on our football team, and I pray for them because there's teammates watching how they play, watching their life. Where you work, People are watching your life, whether you like it or not. Look at what, it's, it's, so what are they watching? Well, Philippians 2 kind of gives us a little idea of what people are watching. Philippians 2, verse 12. Paul, in a context of really imploring his people to live like Jesus, verse 12 says, So then, my beloved, just as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So what does that work look like? Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Why? So that, you'll notice the connection, so that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. It's like he's talking about today. Among whom you appear as lights, In the world. In the midst of a crooked, perverse, dark generation, Paul says, when you live, and he just lists two things, without grumbling or disputing, you appear as lights. You need to realize, I need to realize that our life is on display. Over the years, I've heard people say, listen, I'm in a workplace, it's it's hard, there's no other Christians around me, Uh, things are, they say disgusting things they're doing, pray that I would have another, I could find another job. 
And I said, well, before I pray that, I want to challenge you. How are these people going to see Jesus if you're not there? Have you thought about the fact maybe God has given you this job, as difficult as it is, so you could be seen, so that he could be seen? Maybe your light's supposed to shine there. That result in others coming to faith. And here's what's kind of concerning to me the more I grow, is we, we even start at an early age with our children and saying, you know, hey, get to school, get good grades, graduate, get a good job, get married, have kids, so you can raise them to get married, to have a good job so they could have kids. And so what we promote throughout this thing is the old American life. Good to have school, good to have grades, good grades, you know I'm not saying that. Good to have a good job, that's great. Good to have children, amen to that, and grounds. All those things are good, but it's not what you're called to do. That's not our calling. No one here is called to have a good job. We're called to shine. If you don't shine, you did not live well. You didn't finish well. You didn't journey well. We're called to shine. And maybe he'll lead you to the medical field. Maybe God will lead you here, there, and everywhere, and he does. He spreads us out. But make no mistake, your job is to shine. Students, you're supposed to go to school so your classmates could see what Jesus looks like if he went to school. You work in a factory so your co-workers could see what Jesus would look like if he worked in that factory. In other words, you're supposed to shine. Where he's placed you, your life is on display. And I fear, like the Pharisees who did their acts of righteousness to be seen by men, who were then beginning to condemn all those around them because they did not follow everything they were supposed to do, it seems the Pharisees became known for what they were against. And it is easy as Christians to get that in our mindset, to be known for what we are against, not for what we're for. We're supposed to shine the love of Christ, not to be known for what we're against. For what we preach, Paul said, is not ourselves. But what does he go on to say? But Christ as Lord. That's our message. That's what we're supposed to shine with. So evaluate yourself. What am I known for? What I'm against? Or am I known for loving Jesus Christ and his salvation? Is he Lord of my life? Am I against this issue or that? Or am I standing up for Jesus? His love, his death, his resurrection. Is that my message? Man, I've seen believers' face and countenances change over time. From shining to frowning. From joy to gloom. Sadly, I wasn't the only person to see it. Let your light shine before all men. You and I are called to shine. But the passage goes on. Realize he's, that your life is to be seen. You go back to the verse in Matthew. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. What will people see? Jesus' intention that they would see your good works. Now don't shy away from this. Because automatically you might be saying, well, I'm not saved by good works. That's not at all what Jesus is saying. <laughs> he's saying, if you want to be a witness, if you want to show the reality of my life, my life in you, there will be good works. By virtue of what the Holy Spirit does 
it'll be a clear sign the Holy Spirit is active in our life. Now, good's not simply opposed to bad. In other words, it's, you can't walk around and say, I'm being a good example because I'm not an axe murderer. <laughs> it's not good as opposed to bad. It's good is because it's like Jesus. That's what makes it good. Doing what Jesus would do, that's what good is. Even in the casual reading of the Gospels reminds us Jesus' good works aroused the curiosity of the multitude. That he was so kind and he was good to people. And they listened to his message. They flocked around him. The Greek word kaleos for good most often casts goodness in terms of what's excellent, attractive, powerful, helpful, admirable. It was good. It was an example. Let's say you're walking down the street in a city somewhere, and you look, and there's a, a, a pornography in the window, someone selling it. And you're like, well, I'm going to walk by that. And so you look down, and you get by it, and you're like, whew, I did that. And, and it was a work, and it was a wise move. But good works takes a step further and says, God, for all those people right now who are living in darkness, whose lives are spiraling to destruction, because of the problems of pornography. God, I pray. I pray for that to cease. You see, it's not just about avoiding bad behavior. It's about doing what Jesus would do. That's what makes it good. That's what makes it good. Good works are seen. Works are about rules. Good works are about relationship. Works is about just the behavior, which is important. But good works are also about blessing people. Works is about doing what's right, dotting every I, crossing every T. But good works takes it a step further and it forgives those who don't do right and loves those who don't do right. Works says, I'm not going to do what others do at the shop or at the office. Good works says, not, not only that, but I'm going to keep eyes open to express love to my fellow workers. That's what makes it good. It's called shining. It's called shining. People see good works in and through your life. Good works light your world with attention. Getting works that arouse the curiosity of a watching world. It's loving the hurting, helping the elderly, supporting the downtrodden, practically helping. Good works is how we shine and lay the groundwork for sharing Jesus, the Savior. How we act shouts out to our community. How we invest in ministry shouts out our commitment to our community. Probably the end of 2019, people are going to ride down 12 and they're like, hey, it's that new church up there. And, and, and that's cool, because our testimony, really God provided that, that's clear. But what I really hope is when they think of that, they think of us. Even more than that, Christ in us, the hope of glory. That would be the greatest connection there could be, that we could shine. Because ultimately, verse 16 says, as Jesus wraps it up, let your light shine before men, it's on display, in such a way they may see your good works. And what will they do? They will glorify your Father in heaven. That's the ultimate result of shining. God gets the glory. If you're zealous for God's glory, shine. Do good works for him so people could see Jesus. It's not really that we're seen as marvelous people. 
but we point to Christ. It's Him we preach. It's Him we live for and shine for. A lamp doesn't call attention to itself. It's placed on a stand. It's positioned to be seen. And then it just shines. That's its job. Shine. Affect the environment. Become more expensive, expansive so that those who are in darkness when they walk in the room can see. That's our job for his glory, ultimately. Many Christians have thought that being a good Christian is about accepting Jesus, embracing and defending sound doctrine, keeping all the rules, and maybe in our best moments, cultivating a relationship with Jesus. And while all that's vital, it's not the total package. Authentic Christianity is not just about keeping and protecting the faith and rule-keeping. It's about embracing all these elements and using them to actively and intentionally engage your world so as to shine. Anything less than that is a denial of his intention for life as a follower of Christ. Because our life will always point back to its source. Jesus. Always long to glorify him in all that we do. I just read recently some data that I was able to get a hold of. And if you were to put Kokato in the middle and take a, a pen and draw 15 miles around Kokato, just a big circle, there's in Kokato, what, 2,700, something like that. In that 15-mile radius, you ready for this? 48,000 people. 48,000 people. And a large number need to see Jesus Christ. And who are they going to see him through? Christians. They better. We, we dare not show them the smoke of putting something under a bushel. They need to see the light of Jesus Christ. Interesting enough, the second largest group of that 48,000, which is why we're building, ages 5 to 15. Second largest group. The first largest, their parents. See, it's about the next generation. We need to be thinking about the next generation, which brings me to a key point. I hope you're being a light in your home to your children. And even more, it crosses my mind quite often, is I really want my children to get to the place where when they graduate, their mind is, as I go into this world, I want to have an impact for Christ, not because of daddy, but because of Jesus. They need to live that out. It's my job to prepare them when they get to that point where they understand what the situation and choices that I can't make for them, that they need to make. That's what we train our children. We don't train our children to stay, you know what, stay huddled in a close group and, and don't let the world touch you. That's not good biblical training. We need to train our children to go out into the world and shine. So how do we personally be light in the future generations? Be a light now where you're at. By realizing you're connected to the source, stay close to God. Realize that letting your light shine is an intentional choice you make day in and day out by positioning your life in such a way because you recognize your life's on display. It's to realize that my light is to be seen through my good works, not just my talk. It's to realize that my works ultimately, if I want to break it down to my singular motivation, it would be that Jesus is honored and he gets the glory. Brothers and sisters, you and I, were called to shine. So shine. 
And it seems for centuries God has chosen the unlikeliest of people to clinch the truth that he is God above all gods. And he stands alone as the one true God. From a stuttering Moses who would be used to demonstrate his sovereignty over the gods of Egypt, to Elijah who would shame the prophets of Baal, to the blind, the lame, the sick, sick, who by a touch of Jesus told a watching world simply that Jesus was the one who touched him, and that he was the Savior. Now it's your turn. Touched by Jesus, you and I are commissioned to use our life to bless a world living in darkness with the undeniable reality of the power and the presence of his love. This is our day. This is our place. We are his light. It's our destiny to live that way. It's our privilege to live that way. Don't miss the opportunity. Shine. Let's pray. Lord, I recognize um, in my life I haven't always done that well. For that I ask for your forgiveness. But I don't think I'm alone that there are those in this room who desire to be used of you in expanding ways. Lord, I pray for those who work in their environment, an environment that is quite ungodly. Lord, that they're surrounded by people who are lost and hopeless and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. God, I pray for them. I pray that they would stay connected to you. I pray, God, that they would choose to open their life up to be seen. That the reality of Jesus would be seen in their life. Lord, I pray for our students in school. What a pressure-filled environment they are in. I pray for them, God. I pray that you would give them the courage to shine. Help them, God, to go against what seems to be the flow in the current of the secular world around them and to stand up for you, to raise a flag for you, to be seen as you work in their life. God, it would appear to me that your words communicate to us that this doesn't happen by accident. And so, Lord, I would just pray that you would keep this impressed upon our mind to involve ourselves with works that show you at work in our life. Help us to do the things you would do, to speak the words you would speak. Lord, to love like you would love so people would see you. And ultimately, Lord, we know that would bring you glory and pleasure. Would you do that in us, God? And as a city is on a hill, as a church building would be on a hill, we recognize our lights on display and how great it would be that everyone who comes in contact with it would look and say, there's something different about that life. I want to know what it is. And so in those moments, give us the words to speak that we could point them to you, Jesus. We'd be unapologetic. We'd be crystal clear that you are our hope. You are the only hope. So Lord, use us, equip us, guide us, transform our thinking so that in all things you are seen and you are praised.
It's your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.